0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: We know that you want to live an inspired and fulfilling life Here is Mary Beth Lodge.
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining me today on What Matters. Today, I'm going to challenge you to make a difference. I'm going to ask you to find the motivation to make a change within yourself that will carry ripples of positive change into the lives of those around you and well beyond. So for this hour, I'm asking you to spend this time listening and thinking about how this information applies to you not your significant other, your best friend, your child, your parent, or your coworker just you. You are the only person you can really change, and you are the only person that you are responsible for. You are the person that can truly make a difference. Yeah, I know, you're busy. We're all busy. We lead very busy lives. And sometimes it feels good to be busy, doesn't it? But sometimes busy means distracted. Distractions that lead us away from our goals, or cause us to lose our focus. So are you taking for granted the people in your life and the actions that you take that are most important to you? Are you spending your energy on things that don't really matter? What are the choices that you make in your world? How do you touch the lives of the people you meet? Do you create sunshine wherever you are? Let's start this morning by making our own sunshine. What are you grateful for today? I'm asking you to look around your world and see the many blessings that enfold you. This morning, I am grateful for the messages that have come through the conversations that I've had with my clients. There seems to be a very clear theme this week of being present to the now, to the lessons and the gifts of the current moment of the place that I am in. I really appreciate being called back to that awareness I'm also grateful for the gift of families and friends coming together. And truly, I am grateful for the technology that allows us to reach out to each other, even across great distance, to share information, to share love and support. This morning, we have a wonderful guest on the air with us today. Her name is Linda Lee Hoffman. As a young child... In a turbulent home, Glinda Lee Hoffman had a series of mystical experiences that fueled her desire to understand, to pursue truth in a way that others did not, to see things that others never perceived, and look at things with a discerning and inquiring mind that yearned to touch a cosmic awareness that brought peace, serenity, and wholeness. It was in a contemplative community called the Christ Circle in Boulder Creek, California, that Glinda Lee first encountered the Kabbalah an ancient teaching of coded interpretations embedded in the original text of Genesis, the Song of Songs, often referred to as the Song of Solomon, and the Sefer Yetzirah. In 1973, Hoffman began her studies of the Cypher of Genesis, the original code of Kabbalah, as applied to the scriptures by French author Carlos Suarez. By reading Suarez's book dozens of times, Hoffman began to to develop her own technique, seeing patterns unfold that were seeming cute clues to a greater knowledge. She focused on specific phrases that described the attributes of the Hebrew letters, not as linguistic components, but as patterns of energy. This method allowed her brain to accumulate a vast library of information about the patterns of energy which as attributes to the Hebrew letters, when viewed as elements of the code of Kabbalah. It became clear to Hoffman that the letters formed a complex code of information about the fundamental properties of energy at the heart of all life in the universe. She also realized this information represented a revelation that pertains to the human brain that was historically understood and experienced by Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and others. And today, we'll talk about what she's discovered and has written about in her groundbreaking book, The Genesis Code, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. Good morning, Glenda Lee. How are you today?
3: Hi, Mary Beth. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very well. Good.
2: Well, give us, you know, that was a wonderful background, but I wonder if you can just kind of share with us just the evolution of that before we get into the actual book. But your evolution is
3: amazing. Yes, as I look back on it, (laughs) I realized it was uh, during the time that I was on my path, even into my forties, I was still confused about if I was actually on a path. But uh, during my forties, I happened to rewatch Joseph Campbell's series on the hero with a thousand faces that had been on PBS in the eighties. And, uh, during that time, I heard him say that the difference between a priest and a shaman was that a priest was merely, or or any other religious authority, a priest was merely ordained by a social organization, whereas a shaman was, uh, the shaman's information was based on personal experience. And at that point... I realized that everything that had been a part of my path was due to personal experience. I certainly had no ordination by any, any social organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was on my own. So the, the thing that started it was when I was five years old, I was uh, playing by a fire. In, it was in a fireplace in my house, and I heard a voice. And the voice said very clearly and distinctly, things are not what they appear to be. I tell this story in my book. It's the first story I tell, and it's a little bit elaborate. Um, and then, and, and I, at the time that I heard the voice, I knew the voice wasn't mine, but I'm five years old. So <laughs> I can't, I don't have the ability to process exactly what it was or where it came from. I simp- it, it, it simply got my attention mm-hmm. because the voice wasn't just a voice, it was a presence. Mm-hmm. And I was very aware of that, but of course I didn't have any way to say that. And right. thankfully I didn't try to tell anyone. Right. Because they could not have validated your experience at that moment. No, mm-hmm. no. And so some intuitive part of me allowed me to simply keep it as my own experience. Then when I was 11, I, the, the, for the previous year, I had been on a desperate search for any adult who might have some wisdom to share with me that would help me understand my life or any life for that matter because I was so thoroughly confused by the mixed messages in my culture that I really was anxious and torn. Um, I I had tested my parents, I tested my teachers, I tested the church, I tested every institution that I had access to for wisdom and knowledge and none of them could help me find any clarity. And now at that age, I had no idea that I was looking for clarity. It's only in my 40s when I looked back on it and I realized, oh yeah, I, I was looking for it then. The The way that I experienced it was that I could see that adults were clearly in charge, but that I had no idea what they were doing because the world was a mess. <laughs> and I realized that if I could not, and this was all intuitive, of course, mm-hmm. but it was very clear to me if I couldn't find an adult, who could help me navigate this chaotic mess, I was going to end up just like all the adults I knew. And that, to me, was so scary and so depressing. It was way more scary than the message that had been delivered at church, which is that if you don't believe in Jesus, you'll go to hell.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I had just, the the day that I had this vision, I had left the church for good because I had gone in and heard the minister repeat that, you know, all this, you're sinners and you need to take Jesus Christ as your savior and blah, blah, blah. And I just looked at, I remember thinking, this is it. This is what people come in here for. They want to listen to this stuff. And I I just thought, this is is baloney. I can't Mm -hmm. be here. This is not going to help me. And I left church and I knew I was leaving for the final time. I was never coming back. And on my way home, I'm simply walking along, and I'm very angry because I I thought I would find answers in church, and I didn't. And then I had nowhere to turn. That was my last source that I knew of. And then all of a sudden, I I find myself on this wooded path, and I have this encounter with Jesus, and it's all telepathic. And of course, I don't know what's happening. I'm 11 years old, <laughs> but I'm in the midst of this, and uh, Jesus shows me. the the story of my own evolution of the DNA that had been passed on through all the generations of my ancestors and created my body. And then he showed me how my mind had been constructed through the educational and social and religious institutions in my culture, and how a lot of that information was distorted and erroneous and illusionary. And at, at that point, I wanted to say, hey, yeah, help me with this is where I'm really mixed up, but he was very determined to go on. And the, the next portion of this experience that I saw was that then he showed me this enormous realm of potential that uh, words can't describe how I understood what he was showing me. But I un- I understood very clearly that this potential was so powerful, it could change things about my physical nature and things about my mind that i had no idea of at the time i just so this uh this element of wet clay that i understood that had the property of enormous change and i realized that this property was where all the magic took place and i also realized that this property was something jesus had and that allowed him to become who he was And I also realized at the same moment that if I didn't take an opportunity right now to ask for some of that wisdom, I was going to lose a golden opportunity. So I said to Jesus, "Um, teach me to see the way you do, because obviously uh, the way you see has affected your life, and it is the key to... Uh, becoming everything you want to become. Now, I didn't understand that in any kind of 11-year-old language. That was just my intention, and it was Mm -hmm. very strong. So you can see this pathway that starts with a voice that says, things are not what they appear to be. And then I go to this vision with Jesus where I realize I want to see the way Jesus does because, I want to have that kind of power in my own life. I don't want to just have one little mystical experience that I have a memory of for the rest of my life and no power. And Mm -hmm. so Jesus says, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And then the experience is over. Boom. Just like that. Done. And, And I'm standing on the sidewalk on my way home. Again... I didn't tell anyone about that experience. I had no idea what to do with it or how to process it. And I didn't even understand the relationship between those two experiences and my studies of the Kabbalah, which were in my, 20, when I, in my 20s, until I was 40. It, was, it wasn't until I was in my 40s that I was able to put all this together. Yes. But what I learned after I had uh, learned about the properties of intention in the frontal lobe is that those two experiences planted a seed of intention in my mind, which was a, a deep desire for clarity. So deep and so profound that I would do anything to get this clarity. And I did. I, I, uh, I dropped out of college because I recognized that college wasn't going to get it, help me there. Even though it, that was a subconscious, I mean, I didn't consciously understand that I was looking for clarity. This was all subconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I dropped out of college, it was just because what's here? You know, it was 1969, the height of the Vietnam War, all the subjects I was taking in college. And I was very good at some of them, uh, they were meaningless. So I dropped out of college. I got married. That was a disaster. I was divorced by the time I was 23. And then I found myself at the Christ Circle through another series of events. And it was at the Christ Circle that um, another member came up and said, here, here's this book. You'll like it. And that was the cipher of Genesis. So when I started studying that, I didn't have a clue what it was. And it was very difficult to study. And I was just lost and frustrated and anxious. And yet something just would not let me go. And I liken the experience to Helen Keller and Annie Sullivan because it, it took Helen's brain several months of Annie signaling before Helen's brain could put those signals together in uh, enough patterns, enough consistent patterns that Helen could have a breakthrough. And that's what happened with me in studying Carlos Suarez's book. I had to be uh, my brain had to be stimulated. By the information that he was presenting enough times that it could f- formulate a pattern, and I only understood this, you know, ten or fifteen years later. Right. But once that's it- a
2: wonderful description of learning, though. That's a beautiful yeah. description of the learning process. Glenda Lee, we have to take a break, but when we come back, we'll go into then how this evolved into your new book. Okay. You're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned.
0: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us
4: surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you dehydrated? Dehydration is a primary reason for daytime fatigue and can dramatically slow down your metabolism. Just a 1% to 2% drop in body water can impair your mental focus, concentration, and physical performance. Beverages that contain caffeine such as colas, coffee, or tea actually stimulate fluid loss and promote dehydration. Today's modern lifestyles have also led to dangerously low levels of essential minerals and electrolytes for the vast majority of people. Highly esteemed Nobel Prize winner Dr. Linus Pauling said you can trace every sickness, every disease, and every ailment to a mineral deficiency in the body. Now more than ever, we need mineral-rich alkaline water to help protect our bodies from many of today's growing health problems. Are you ready to make a change? Go to hydratefeelgreat.com and get your free trial of this amazing product you simply add to water. Let us help you discover the differences mineral-rich alkaline water can make in your health. Again, that's hydratefeelgreat.com for your free trial. Is your body running on empty? Water is the main fuel source for your body, but are you getting enough? What about quality of the water you drink? Tap water usually contains many known contaminants, and bottled water is considered dead water by many of today's health experts. So what's the solution? Mineral-rich alkaline water. Mineral-rich alkaline water solves the problems of acidity, poor hydration, and nutrient deficiencies in the body. Your body needs water, and the quality of the water you drink can make a big difference in the health and well-being of your body. Why risk the potential dangers of tap or bottled water when you can give yourself the proven health benefits of mineral-rich alkaline water? Ready to make a difference in your health? Go to hydratefeelgreat.com and get your free trial of this amazing product. Let us help you discover the difference this mineral-rich alkaline water can make in your health. Again, that's hydratefeelgreat.com for your free trial.
1: Ask the experts. Call toll free right now. 1 866 472 5787. And ask our All Star team to answer your questions. That's 1 866
5: 472
1: 5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to What Matters with Mary Beth Lodge. To be a part of our discussion on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to marybethlodge at gmail.com. Now, back to What Matters.
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning on What Matters. Our guest is Lee Hoffman, and she has just been describing... Her evolution that culminated in a, a knowledge and knowing that has been uh, put into her new book, The Genesis Code. And Glinda, Lee, just go ahead from from that experience of studying and making your brain over and over again grab on to this new information that you'd never seen before and turning it from foreign language into something you could understand, how did that then evolve into this book?
3: <laughs> well, that took 30 or 40 years. <laughs> uh-huh. yes. I'm going to try yes. to say that in three sentences. Okay, so uh, first of all, I, I realized that this code that Carlos Suarez was presenting in his book, The Cipher of Genesis was actually real because it took me nine months to actually decipher the first word, which was the first word of Genesis, which is uh, constructed of six symbols, which have been translated in the beginning. But the six symbols, when translated through the Kabbalah, through these symbols that don't have any linguistic association whatsoever and their patterns of energy, what that allowed me to do was actually experience the beginning of life in the universe, which is referred to by Carlos Suarez as the seed of life and it it actually appears and this is so inadequate using language but <laughs> it is fo- it's in the form of a seed in the sense that a seed integrates two opposing energies, the germing energies and the husk energies. And the germing energies are always generative and disruptive, and the husking energies are always containing and static and continuous. And every symbol in this uh, teaching of the Kabbalah, which uses the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, not as linguistic components, but as components that signify patterns of energy, in this teaching... Every single symbol has this configuration of unity between opposing elements. And this is the foundation of this knowledge, that all of life emerges from this unitive primary elemental pattern, which in in my way of thinking is modeled perfectly in a seed. And, of course, it's this model that's used in the story when you're talking about the Garden of Eden. So this model that I began to see through, which took me nine months to perceive, then I realized that it was... And and all the the words that we see as words of text in in Genesis are actually acronyms which are created from the first letters of the names of these symbols. So each... What we perceive as as words, and this goes back to my original uh, voice, things are not what they appear to be. Genesis appears to be a text of words. But if you study it from the standpoint of the Kabbalah, it's a text of acronyms. And if you want to understand what these acronyms are revealing, you have to study each separate symbol and then put the whole equation together. And uh, you, what, what actually happens is our brain, everything was created from these patterns of energy all life was created from these patterns these holistic patterns of energy and so was our brain and when the brain is presented with these patterns over and over and over and over again even though they're unfamiliar at at one point the brain actually recognizes the pattern and goes "Woo, yeah that's right uh Mm -hmm. i this is what I'm created from this is well, this is how I'm designed. This was the energy that that self generated this brain this fabulous brain that I have and all its hidden talents and secrets. so the brain recognizes this and there the the experience of that is really astonishing it's like lighting the brain on fire. It really awakens to a whole dimension of possibilities and opportunities that were not available before because I wasn't aware of them before. But then all of a sudden, ooh, yeah, this is magic time. So once I understood this original pattern of unity, then I realized it was in every letter, in every word, in every sentence, in every verse, in every chapter, in every story. happens to be two stories in Genesis, the six days of creation, and the Garden of Eden. And if you look at these through this pattern, it becomes very obvious that the story of the six days of creation is an outer story, like a husk, and the story of the Garden of Eden is an inner story, like a germ. And the way that you can actually differentiate this without knowing anything about the Kabbalah is that in the story of creation, all the imagery is familiar. You've got the Big Bang, God said, let there be light, then you've got the void, then you've got the earth, and uh, it separates into the earth and the firmament, which is the atmosphere, and then it's covered with water, and then the land appears, then the plants, then the animals, then the human beings, male and female, and there's birds in the sky and fish in the sea, and all of these are familiar. We know all about this. It's the story that science has been telling us, and this is everyday information. We recognize that. The minute you move into the Garden of Eden, however, you've got a man created from dust, a woman created from his rib, she talks to a snake, they eat a fruit, uh, there's all this mishmash of, oh, you're going to die if you eat this fruit, but then they don't die, and these other things happen that people have tried to make sense out of, but the point is, the imagery is very potent mythological Im- imagery, it's n- there's nothing ordinary about it at all. A tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I mean, where, where does that tree exist? Mm-hmm. You're certainly not going to find seeds for that tree down at your local nursery,
2: mm-hmm.
3: or, and, and you weren't going to find them in the past either. So how is this, why is this being perceived as something that happens in the past when the imagery is telling you very poignantly that that was impossible? No woman was ever created from a man's rib, and yet, you know, the religious authorities have been trying to pass this off as history, Well, that's ridiculous. But when you see it through the image of the Kabbalah with this unified germing husking model, you realize, oh, that was the outer journey, the six days of creation. This is how we got here, we human beings. Now the story has moved into the inner realm of human awareness. Mm -hmm. And the garden is our own brain because... These trees of knowledge represent the actual neurons in the brain, which are shaped like trees. They have an axon, which resembles a trunk, and the branches move out from there. And each of the tips of these branches uh, have a dendrite, and the word dendrite comes from a Greek word that means tree, and all these dendrites can connect to each other, and they form what scientists now refer to as a neural jungle. Well, jungle and garden are very similar metaphors, so... Where else are you going to find a tree of knowledge? Inside the human brain. And definitely the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is duality. So now I see this story from a completely different perspective, and I'm just astonished at what it's telling me because it is teaching me about myself, about my brain, how it's constructed, how it functions. And what it's teaching me is that perception Seeing, interpretation, is the most important aspect concerning uh, expanding our awareness. Because what happens in the story and, and the interpretation of the story has been completely botched and distorted because it's perceived in the past. But if you perceive it as taking place in the brain, in the consciousness, in the human psyche, then it makes absolute sense. First of all, Adam is commanded... And I have the verse right here in front of me in uh, Genesis 2. um, Adam, it says, Genesis 2, verse 9. And out of the ground made the Lord God grow. Every tree that is pleasant to the sight, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And I'm looking for the one where the commandment is given. And, um, oh, right here, 17, Genesis 2:17. First of all, Genesis 2:16 is what carries the commandment. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, If every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Eat from every tree. Then in the next verse, there's no word commandment. It says, But of the tree of the knowledge go- of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So there's no commandment in there. There's just a warning. If you eat of that one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Now, interestingly, Adam's alone up to this point in the garden. In the very next verse, verse uh, 18, And the Lord God said, It's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate. So first, the commandment is, eat, eat the fruit from all the trees. Then the warning, not a commandment, But if you eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Then, oh, you need a helpmate. Well, that helpmate only does one thing. One thing in this story that's pertinent. She eats the fruit first. She listens to the serpent. He says, if you eat this fruit, you will be wise. She goes, okay, I want to be wise. So she eats the fruit. She gives it to Adam. And... What happens to them at that point is completely glossed over by every traditional interpretation that I have ever known of. And what happens there is, it's in verse 7. Well, first, verse 6 says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, blah, 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 and she ate of the fruit because it would make her wise... And she gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So she ate the fruit first. She gives it to him, verse 7 says, and their eyes were both opened. So here we have that, uh, that element of perception again. And this has been glossed over by every interpretation, but there it is. Well, their eyes were open before, so what kind of eyes are these? Obviously, these are new kind of eyes. And uh, so as I'm thinking about this and as I'm deciphering the Kabbalah, I'm going, okay, so what did she do in eating that fruit to transform it? Because they don't die. The other verse said they, she, he would die. Adam would die if he ate that fruit. But then she needs a helpmate. And the only thing she does is eat the fruit first. And yet when she gives it to him and he eats it, they, he doesn't die. Neither does she. So what what really happened? Well, when I deciphered the words good and evil, I was astonished because the word good means static, unchanging like a husk energy and the word evil means generative and disruptive. And she realizes, "Oh, this isn't this isn't the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the Tree of the knowledge of wholeness. These two elements always are together. They are completely unified. But our perception has been distorted to perceive one as evil, the, the generative, disruptive element, because it disturbs us. And as in, this is, as in discomforts us. Yeah. Yeah, because it wants to move us on. It wants mm-hmm. to disturb us out of a static state and move us on to new awareness, to enlarged awareness. And she, this is what she realizes. And she says, here, you, don't take my word for it. Eat the fruit yourself. So he eats it, and their eyes are opened, which is exactly what happens to anybody who discovers new knowledge. And that's a metaphor for the light enlarges in our own mind, and we see things differently. And this is what happens to all of us when we go through any kind of change that helps us grow internally psychologically and spiritually and that's what this story is about so that's what it's telling me and so here i am here i've i've been yearning for clarity my whole life and here it is in a 2500 year old text that has been misunderstood for that long and it's right in front of me through this code of the kabbalah and i'm just astonished And then later I realized that these components represented by Adam and Eve actually mirror the activities of two parts of the brain, the neocortex and the frontal lobe. Eve represents the frontal lobe and Adam represents the the neocortex. And you can also divide it into intellect and intuition. Now, those are very simplified terms, but you get the general idea.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. His knowledge is the knowledge of the known, of what can be studied and, and passed on through books and uh, looked at with a microscope and verified through science. Her knowledge is of the unknown, and it can't be verified through any kind of science, but it's there. It's real because it's insight. And it just so happens that the neocortex processes information by perceiving the outer world only. That's, that's his only perceptual perspective is outer. Whereas the frontal lobe, the only kind of uh, visual knowledge that it perceives is inward, insight. And of course, this, that's how we grow. It's through insight. We, we might have a, one experience one day and have the very same experience the next day, but because we look at it a little bit differently... We suddenly have a new insight about what's going on in that situation. Right,
2: Glenda Lee, we knew, do need to stop for a break. Um, we'll be right back with um, to finish up this conversation because this is just fascinating. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're, li- you're listening to the Voice America Variety Channel. Stay tuned.
5: Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
4: Is your body running on empty? Water is the main fuel source for your body, but are you getting enough? What about quality of the water you drink? Tap water usually contains many known contaminants, and bottled water is considered dead water by many of today's health experts. So what's the solution? Mineral-rich alkaline water. Mineral-rich alkaline water solves the problems of acidity, poor hydration, and nutrient deficiencies in the body. Your body needs water, and the quality of the water you drink can make a big difference in the health and well-being of your body. Why risk the potential dangers of tap or bottled water when you can give yourself the proven health benefits of mineral-rich alkaline water? Ready to make a difference in your health? Go to hydratefeelgreat.com and get your free trial of this amazing product. Let us help you discover the difference this mineral-rich alkaline water can make in your health. Again, that's hydratefeelgreat.com for your free trial. Are you dehydrated? Dehydration is a primary reason for daytime fatigue and can dramatically slow down your metabolism. Just a 1-2% drop in body water can impair your mental focus, concentration, and physical performance. Beverages that contain caffeine such as colas, coffee, or tea actually stimulate fluid loss and promote dehydration. Today's modern lifestyles have also led to dangerously low levels of essential minerals and electrolytes for the vast majority of people. Highly esteemed Nobel Prize winner Dr. Linus Pauling said, you can trace every sickness, every disease, and every ailment to a mineral deficiency in the body. Now more than ever, we need mineral-rich alkaline water to help protect our bodies from many of today's growing health problems. Are you ready to make a change? Go to hydratefeelgreat.com and get your free trial of this amazing product you simply add to water. Let us help you discover the difference this mineral-rich alkaline water can make in your health. Again, that's hydratefeelgreat.com.
5: New shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. News, opinion. your voice counts.
1: Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com
2: Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning on What Matters. Our guest this morning is Glinda Lee Hoffman, and she has been sharing just a, a new way of understanding our own brain and the history of the ages. Glinda Lee, just just keep going on that course. You have really um, challenged many traditional beliefs here.
3: Yes, uh, Well, first of all, they challenged me. I mean, as I'm studying this, I'm forced to look at all my own beliefs and my own conditioning. And that's what's so powerful about this story is that when it's read through the Code of Kabbalah, it challenges everything you thought you know about this text and about yourself and about the whole purpose of life. Because what I learned in Genesis is that... uh, Life has a purpose, and the purpose of life is to create as much potential as possible. Carlos Suarez re- refers to that as all possible possibilities. And, and the number and the letter which symbolizes this state is seven. So when, when you look at the Garden of Eden story and you realize that everything takes place on the seventh day and that... The human brain, and it's a story about the human brain and that the human brain is designed in such a way that all possible possibilities are, are in there in, this, in the very real physical sense that our brain has between 800 and a, 800, how do I say this, up to 100 billion neurons. Let's put it that way up to Mm -hmm. 100 billion neurons, and each of those neurons has up to 30,000 dendrites, and each of those 30,000 dendrites is connected to another dendrite from another neuron, and all the possible connections of those dendritic connections is more than all the stars in the sky in the universe. And every one of those connections has the possibility of disconnecting from that pattern and connecting to another pattern in another neuron in another way to create a new pattern and it's through these dis- dendritic connections that every piece of data the brain processes travels so this this purpose of the universe to create as much potential as possible is happening right in our own brain every second that we are alive so we have the potential to make all of our dreams come true through our own awareness because our brain is this amazing fabulous tool that if we just knew how to harness it, its genius it will help us become the person we long to be create the life we long to live and design the society we want to raise our kids in that's what the story's saying you know, I, as I'm listening to you
2: and I'm hearing you describe this and, and I'm getting just as excited as you are, uh, well, maybe not quite that excited, but <laughs> um, I'm, I'm hearing so many people who are out there right now talking about the law of attraction, talking about unlocking your hidden potential, talking about unlocking your genius, and I'm hearing you describe it in a, a neurophysic physiological sense
3: in yeah. the same breath as a spiritual sense. Exactly. I mean, and that she, is the, that's the whole point. That this information is practical. Spirituality has kind of been put on a pedestal. But it's, it's really just practical information. We all want to be happy. We want to be satisfied with our lives. That's practicality. We don't want to live a life of frustration and confusion and alienation and anxiety because it's no fun. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. So we want a life of wholeness and it's clarity that will get us there. So, and this is my path and I think at some point it has to be everybody's path. We have to want clarity because culture, the culture that we were raised in and conditioned our mind to perceive the way it does is very confused and distorted and in many ways perverted. And as long as that's all the information we're processing, we won't get anywhere. So the first thing we need is clarity. And in order to get clarity from a, from a position of having no clarity, you have to plant the seed of intention. You have to want it. And that's what happened to me when I was a child. The, the, the desire for clarity was planted for me. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know if I'm chosen. I, it happened, but I have no idea why. But, but it made me understand the power of intention and the power of clarity. And that through these two, everything else is added to us. Just like Jesus said in uh, the New Testament, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Well, guess where the kingdom of heaven is? It's inside you. He said it. It's right there in our own awareness. And the way to that is through clarity. Because clarity helps us discern what is actually real and what isn't real and what's important and what isn't important. So if we want to live a life where we feel alive, where we feel creative, where we're anxious to get up in the morning and have a new day where, and and this can happen no matter what our circumstances are. Nelson Mandela proved that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Now, if he can do it in prison 25 years in a racist state, uh, in the racist state of apartheid, if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. So all of us have this potential. Every single one of us has this potential. And, and that's what we came here to do. We all came here to be Jesus.
2: And you are so clearly describing that we are physiologically designed.
3: Yes. Our brain. This. Yes. Our brain is actually designed for this. And that is the celebration that the story of Genesis is trying to tell us. That's what's in there. And when I perceived that, which was back in the 70s, it was just so exciting to me. I was, I was amazed all the time. And it wasn't until the 90s that I found any scientific validation of it. Yeah, because uh, we didn't
2: have the, the ability to
3: study it yet Well, the, the, si- <laughs> the, the, the scientists, The scientists actually believed that the brain could not change until 1999. And right. they had based those... That, that they had based that theory on studies done on kittens back in the 70s. I mean, it's, it, it's astonishing when you dig this stuff up and realize that th- those scientists were doing exactly what Adam was doing in in, in Genesis. He, his mind was static. And mm-hmm. in fact, that, that whole verse, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. Well, The reason you're going to die is because you're alone in your static intellectual thinking, which doesn't allow you to add the energy of the unknown to your thoughts so that you can expand. So the scientists were doing exactly what Adam was doing. They were taking this past knowledge, not changing with it, keeping their old theories, until 1999 when all of a sudden uh, an undergraduate comes along and designs an experiment that proves that one wrong. Now... Had brains all over the world been static all that time? Heck no. There were all kinds of brains that were uh, acting through the forces of reality, which is they were changing all the time. But scientists weren't recognizing that. You know, they had to develop an experiment that proved it. So that Mm -hmm. just goes to show you that even scientists get stuck. So. We all, the, we all get that's stuck. That's that's part. Yeah, that's part of the nature of the brain, you know. And we don't have time to go into all this, but we've all experienced that. However, there's this other part of the brain that is constantly generating new energy and and wants to disrupt all of our old static habits and patterns that make us miserable and unhappy. So, so talk talk to us about your book.
2: What will our listeners discover in your book? All of
3: how? this. <laughs> how, all of this, absolutely. But, and, and how will this guide them? What it, the, the book is designed to present enough of the Kabbalah so that people recognize that it's real, that Genesis is coded, that this information is in there, that it, it's about the brain, it's about us, it's not about God. Uh, it reinforces the idea that we have the ability to change constantly and consistently and that we can use our brain as a tool to help us and in fact in the end it's the best tool at some point we all will reach a place in our path where we realize that there's no other authority out there that is beyond us and therefore we need to tune into an inner authority and let that be our guide from then on. And this happened to me in a very dramatic experience that I don't have time to explain. But we will eventually, all of us on this path, will reach that place. Because each one of us as an individual is on this path to clarity. And at some point we reach a point where there isn't anybody outside of us who's any clearer than we are. And that's when we really take authority for our own life. And we give ourselves the authority that we'd been giving to others and to other institutions. Mm -hmm. And there are people of all in religions, in all kinds of educational institutions and in all just mothers and normal people, mechanics that are doing this all the time. They are leading their own paths. And the, the story in Genesis, and Jesus said the same thing. He said, all these things that I'm doing, you can do too. Uh, he he meant the same thing. In fact, I think he studied the Kabbalah. I think that's where he got his information, because it is the primal information of the pattern of life in the universe. All life it 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 works the same way, whether you believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Well, principles work whether you believe them or not. Yeah, and my book. Okay, my book the and the. The Genesis Code, you have to use the subtitle, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius, because after I wrote the book and gave the title and had it printed, I went on Amazon and discovered, oh, there's three more books titled The Genesis Code. Uh-huh. <laughs> Should have thought of that before. But, so when you look for the book on Amazon, you have to look for the Genesis Code, Your Key to Unlocking Hidden Genius. You can buy the book on Amazon. You can also buy it on my website, which is www.thegenesiscode.com okay. also on my website there is a free booklet titled seven techniques to cultivate your gen your genius and these are simply techniques that i learned along the way on my path they're very simple things anybody can do them they don't take very long they're easy and they have are they're, ha- they're very helpful um you can just go to the contact page and send me your email, and I'll give you a PDF copy. Um, the The book is also available on Amazon on Kindle, so that's a little less expensive if you have a Kindle. Uh, and the book is priced very reasonably. It's 12.99, I think, or right now they're having a sale, 11.59 or something. So you know, it's pretty affordable. The other thing is, if I can get enough people who want to do it, I'll have a webinar in January, um, the The final four Wednesdays in jam- January. The first Wednesday is too close to the first of the year. So um, right. if you want to sign up for that, it's $44 for the whole thing. You get a PDF of the book. And we're just going to hang out and talk about awareness and genesis and and help each other uh, move on our own path towards clarity and expanded consciousness and happiness and creativity and productivity and harmony. Because that's what we all want.
2: Absolutely. It is what we want. And you've offered a a beautiful path to come to that place of harmony, of of awareness that brings peace, that... um, brings unity, and gives us a, a kind of a new
3: way to um, create our worlds. Well, all this potential is inside us. All of this potential is in the construction of the brain. The brain is constructed to create all possible possibilities. So all we have to do is learn how to harness it. And every single one of us has a brain. <laughs> yes, you know, so we all have this potential Jesus inside of us. So let's awaken it. Let's awaken it and and ha- let it, find a way to let it teach us how to be that.
2: So, Glinda Lee, is there anything else? We have about two minutes left. So is there
3: anything else, any final statement that you would have for our listeners today? I have one final statement. The whole construction of the seed and the, with the germ and the husk, comes down to two types of energy, uh, life and existence. And in the movie Braveheart, the Mel Gibson character says, some at some point during that movie, he said, we all die. We don't all live. And I think everybody can recognize that. We can exist without actually living. And Jesus actually said the same thing. He said, let the dead bury their dead. And And this goes back to eating the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In, in the sense of you will die if you eat that fruit, it's referring to rigidity, rigor mortis of the mind. When we live in a state of existence, we, our thoughts are rigid, our habits are rigid, our attitudes are rigid. And you can see this happening out in the world. People, you know, clinging to their rigid rigidity. What what we want to do is awaken all the disruptive, germinating, generating elements in the mind, and shatter our rigidity so that we can start to live.
2: Thank you so much, Glenda Lee, because this has been a wonderful inspiration um, and very stimulating intellectually, spiritually. I just really appreciate you today for bringing this information to us uh, to our listeners. Thank you so much for being on my the My pleasure.
3: Visit my website, the Genesis Code, and learn more.
2: <laughs> All right. And for our listeners now, take this information. It's yours. Create for yourself a new day today. You deserve it.
1: Thanks again for joining us for What Matters. Be sure to tune in again next Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll help you continue to make a difference next week.